Uh, go ahead and open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5, as we, as we are continuing on the, on the uh, Sermon on the Mount. We went through the Beatitudes, and uh, now we are going to uh, uh, get into uh, Jesus' teachings here uh, beyond the Beatitudes. And the first one uh, we will see here in a moment is um, verses 13 to 16, uh, Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 5. One of the things that is always been, uh, what's the word? Uh, one of the things that I've always appreciated about the uh, teachings that Jesus did is he always found a way to illustrate it so that we could understand it. Um, and uh, the, the passage that we are about to read um, is, a, is a metaphor uh, that he uses uh, to illustrate a point. So let's read Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 13 to 16. It says, Ye are the light, or excuse me, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have not, is, has lost its savor, wherewith uh, shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but uh, to be cast out under, under, cast out, and to be trodden under under foot of men. And ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither doth men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but a candlestick. Uh, uh, but on but on a candlestick, and it giveth off light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that ye uh, that they may see your good works and glorify uh, your Father which is in heaven. So let's pray, dear Lord. Thank you for this day. <clears throat> thank you for your love. And uh, Lord, we ask as we look at these metaphors tonight that you would uh, use them in our lives, that you would help us to see uh, just exactly uh, what you would have for us. Uh, we love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. A metaphor is a figure of speech in which a term or phrase is applied to something to which it is uh, not literally uh, applicable in order uh, to suggest a uh, resemblance uh, as, uh, as in a mighty fortress is our God. Um, so <clears throat> is God literally a mighty fortress? No, he's God. But what does the, the word picture or the metaphor of a mighty fortress, what kind of picture does that give us about God? Exactly. He he is he he is God. He is unconquerable. He's sovereign. Okay. So so a metaphor then uh, takes something that's not related to the subject, but gives us an idea of how to apply something to our lives. 
So this idea of being a metaphor that Jesus uses here um, uh, helps us understand what he's trying to communicate. So he starts off with salt. And then he talks about light. Both are unique qualities and fulfill a function, an important function. Now, I want to say this, salt, uh, we're going to, we're going to point our, my first point this evening is salt. So we're going to, we're going to be talking about salt, but in our society today, we struggle with this metaphor. We, we don't, we don't totally get it. Why is that? Well, no, no, not really. Yeah, that doesn't really have anything to do. But we preserve things totally different. Uh, we have medicines. Uh, we have freezers. We have um, uh, what are those things? Uh, pressure pressure uh, cooker things. Um, you know, you know, we have the ability to can vegetables and freeze vegetables and all of this stuff. So we. We don't need salt. What, what is the only thing, there's, to my knowledge, as a 60, almost 62-year-old person, there's only been two things I've used salt for. Well, three. I take that back. Okay, for, for my food. What's, what's the other two? Ice cream. Well, okay, I guess I have soaked my feet in Epsom salt. Yeah, I guess I've done that. But I was thinking salting my, my driveway. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, we don't use salt. Um, huh? Yeah, yeah, a saline solution. Exactly, okay. Um, but we don't use salt like, like they did in the first century. <clears throat> so th- this, this metaphor is is a little bit harder for us to get a hold of just because we don't quite understand it the same way. So what I'm going to try to do tonight is really help you understand what salt meant to the first century people, primarily the Jews who Jesus was talking to. Okay, because salt played an incredibly important part of everyday life for them. <clears throat> How many of you have ever had a salt-cured ham? I can't eat them. They're too salty. I, I, I literally cannot eat them. But what, what, what does salt, one of the, <clears throat> what, what is one of the things salt does? Preserves. That's my first point. Uh, tonight it it preserves <clears throat> now my father-in-law used to love salt pork uh, or, or, or salt cured uh, uh, ham yeah salt pork yeah uh, but I can't eat it it's it's too salty it just it, it why because the 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 salt permeates the the meat in order to be able to cure it <laughs> yeah, just like it does your driveway, yeah. <clears throat> so, 
the goal of uh, preservation is twofold. Okay? It is to seal in the good, okay? But it's also to shut out the impurities. So if you were to take a salt-cured ham, what is the first thing you have to do? You have to you have to like scrape all the crust off of it. Because what what do they do? They they literally pack it with salt. And that salt acts as a barrier to prevent bad things coming in. The other thing it does is it permeates the ham and creates a preservation so that the that the inside doesn't rot. So it, 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 it works both ways, okay? So <clears throat> salt keeps food from spoiling. Now, in the first century, um, again, they didn't have technology like we have today. Uh, so salt was the only way that they had to cure meat so that they could transport it, if you would. <clears throat> in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 13 and verse 16, it says, There dwelt men in Tyre also therein, which brought fish uh, of all manner and ware, and sold on the Sabbath unto the children of Judah in Jerusalem. So they, these men transported fish from Tyre to Jerusalem. Now, if you were to look on a map, I probably should have gotten a map. I didn't even think about it till just now. But if you were to pull up a map of Tyre to Jerusalem, it's about a, as the as the crow flies. It's about 100 miles. How long? How how many day trip do you think that was? <laughs> At least a three or four day trip. At least. So fish. What, what would untreated fish, what would they smell like by the time they got to Jerusalem? Yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't be eating it. I'll tell you what. OK, <laughs> OK, so how did they transport the fish from Tyre to Jerusalem? Salt. They packed it in salt. <clears throat> yeah, they couldn't make ice. <laughs> um, so. And this is this is just my own personal conviction here, but I believe that God will withhold judgment on this earth as long as there is preserving salt on the earth. Think about that for a second. God told Abraham that he would spare Sodom and Gomorrah if there were 10 righteous people. But there was there weren't. There was nobody there doing the preserving work of God. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 32, it says, And he said, Oh, let not uh, the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet uh, but this once. Peradventure, 10 uh, sh- shall be found there, and he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. Now let, let's do some math here for a second. 
what do you think what do you think Abraham was doing? Abraham's counting, right? He's like, okay, I got Lot, got his wife, got his children, you know, they're married, got in-laws, and he's and you start doing the math, and it's easy to come up with ten. So that's when I, I personally believe when he got down to ten, he's like, okay, we're we're good here because if you're familiar with the story, he what did he start at fifty? Yeah, and then he, he worked his way down. He got down to 10. He's like, okay, we're safe. And God said no. And we are living in a world today where Christianity is becoming smaller, not bigger. And the influence and the preserving influence of Christianity on our world today is diminishing, not growing. In the time of the Roman uh, domination, salt was a uh, very important commodity. Uh, I, I, I've shared this before, but the, the phrase uh, is, is a man worth his salt comes from the first century when oftentimes the Roman government would pay their soldiers in salt. And then they would then trade the salt for whatever. That's how important salt was in that in that century. Now you can go, you know, I, I know my wife buys salt at Sam's Club, so we get a big thing of salt like this for about a buck and a half, maybe two dollars. You know, salt today is is worth worthless, but in those days, it was it was a it was a very um, a rare commodity. It was important. Mark chapter 9, verse 50, Salt is good, but if the salt had lost its saltness, <clears throat> wherewith will it be salted or, or seasoned? Uh, where, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourself and have peace one with another. Now, I want you to notice in this verse here the word in. Have salt in yourself not on yourself. Why? Because of the, the, purif- the, the purification, the picture of purification here. Have salt in you. Make it part of who you are. And as Jesus is teaching here, one of the one of the metaphor part of the metaphor here is the preservation, the the fact that when salt gets in a gets in a piece of meat, it will keep it from rotting. It'll keep it from what is what is rot a picture of in the Bible? Sin. Or what's another? Corruption. It'll keep it from corruption. I read a I read an article that um, the Egyptians used to use salt in the mummification process. Why? And I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of their mummies, but they're incredibly preserved. Why? Because they, they, the salt got in them and preserved them. Among, uh, they used other things too, but <clears throat> salt was one of the big ones. In James chapter 1 and verse 27, it says, Pure religion and undefiled before God 
and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 22. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be a partaker of another man's sin. Keep yourself pure. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 21, little children, keep yourself from idols. So the part of the metaphor, part of the picture that Jesus is trying to communicate here is the need for the believers to have a, uh, the, the pure, the, the uh, preserved uh, from the things of this world. To keep ourselves pure and to keep ourselves from being defiled. It's an incredible picture. The second part of the, this metaphor uh, is that it purifies. Salt purifies. Um, I, I, I have a friend who tells a story about um, a, a guy who uh, uh, cut up, what's it called, uh, broccoli, I think. Uh, yeah, broccoli. Cut a big head of broccoli. He said it was about the size of a soccer ball. And he and he cut it off the cut it off his bush. And he went in and showed it to his wife, and his wife says, "Okay, now I want you to make up a brine solution. Do you do you know what a brine solution is? It's basically salt water, okay? And you take she said, take that broccoli and and, and soak it in that brine for about an hour. And <laughs> and I I don't know this. I'm not a farmer by any stretch of imagination. So but what happened when he pulled out the what happened when he pulled out the broccoli? Guess what was floating in the water? Bugs. A lot of lot of little green worms floating in the water. Why? Because because it purifies. Salt purifies. <clears throat> See, salt water uh, also kills germs. My wife, if you ever have a a cough or a sore throat, what is my wife going to tell you? Gargle, Gar- gargle with salt water. I cannot tell you how many times in the 40 years we've been married I've heard that. <laughs> and she's made me do it. I hate it. Because I personally don't like salt. I, 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 I don't put salt on anything. Um, I, I shouldn't say that because I do, but very, very, very little. Um, and, and so this, to, to gargle with salt water is just horrible. But what does it do? It kills germs. And she's right. It helps. It does help a sore throat. I don't know if the medical profession would say it helps. Dr. Mom says it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's my thing. Yes. I'm getting there. Okay, I'm getting there. No, no, I, I no. Seriously, I no. That's part of that's part of the. It, it, it purifies. Um, uh, 
I want you to I want you to stop and think about this. So so Jesus is here. He's teaching, and he and he uses the metaphor of salt. And we see it it, it preserves, but it purifies. And 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 I I spent some time thinking and trying to process purif what what does that mean for me today. Because the reality is learning all this information is a good thing, but if we don't know how to apply it to our lives, then it's just information. So how can we be purified in our lives? Yeah, eat lots of salt. (laughs) Yeah, and your doctor will get really mad at you. (laughs) But seriously, what what do you think Jesus is trying to communicate? Okay, we need we need to we need to be salt. Okay, to the people around us, what kind of what kind of influence are we to the people around us? Just like with the the, the head of the picture that we have with the head of broccoli uh, being dunked in that that brine solution kills the bugs and all the bad things. You know, we should be that to the people around us. We should have an influence. And, and do people even know you're a believer? I know Lawrence and I have talked many times about the influence that we have on people around us. And I think part of what Jesus is trying to communicate here is that we need to make a difference. We need to make a difference. Exodus um, uh, chapter 34, verses uh, 29 to 33, it says, uh, And it came to pass when Moses came down uh, from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of of, uh, testimony in in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that his skin uh, of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin uh, on his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them. And and, And Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them... uh, in commandment, all that the Lord has spoken with him uh, in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. What, what, why did I just read that passage? When you spend time with God, people around you should know it. And Moses spent time with God, and it was so obvious that the, 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 his, his countenance changed. And when we spend time with God, our countenance should change. We should not be able to blend in with the crowd if we are going to be purifying Christians. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, and when... 
they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with what? With Jesus. They had been with Jesus and because they had been with Jesus, their lives were different. And just like Moses and just like uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Peter and John, if we're going to spend time with the Lord, it's going to make a difference in our lives. It has to. It has to make a difference. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, who gave himself for us that, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous unto good works. We should be excited about doing the things of God. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, uh, and at midday, Paul and Silas pray and sang praises, uh, uh, and they uh, uh, and the prisoners heard them. After they had been beaten and, and, and shackled in the dungeon, they sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. What happened next? Somebody tell me, what happened next? Okay, uh, 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 there was a great earthquake and all the doors opened up. Where did the prisoners go? They stayed right there. Why? Because they wanted to see what was going on in the basement. Because those crazy people in the basement, something had happened to them. Because they had spent time with God. Now to go to what Cassie was saying. During the Civil War, this is a little history here. <clears throat> During the Civil War, the medical staff of the Confederate armies often found themselves without the necessity, uh, uh, excuse me, without the necessary medical and pharmaceutical resources they needed. They were forced to result to rudimentary um, medical treatment in their attempt to save lives of wounded soldiers. Gangrene was a constant threat uh, f uh, for a soldier who had been shot. Let me, let me stop right here. Uh, more soldiers died of their wounds than actually died on the battlefield. Just a little history there for you. Um, uh, but the medics found, uh, however, that if they could immediately get salt into the wound, the gangrene might be uh, prevented. Some surgeons... <clears throat> this is this is I, I I tried to picture this and I just <laughs> some surgeons <clears throat> would uh, put a piece of cloth uh, saturated with salt through a wound in an attempt to retard potential infection. <laughs> Man, you'd be picking me up off the moon. <laughs> Can you imagine? They would take they would take rags soak them in, in salt and then just jam them into, into, the, into the wounds. I just, every, everything in my body is just screaming right now. <laughs> I just can't imagine that. During the days of uh, the, uh, the, great, the great days of the English Navy, sailors... Uh, who had been flocked for disobedience 
would have uh, salt rubbed into their wounds to cleanse the wounds and speed up, uh, speed up the healing process. Sometimes uh, they would actually tie a rope around them and push them overboard into the sea so that the salt water would get into, get into the wounds. But if the seas were too rough uh, for this, they would uh, make up a, a batch of brine in a, in a barrel and head first, they would, they would dunk them in the, in the brine. <clears throat> the art of... Yes, yes. That's what I'm saying. We don't appreciate salt today like they did then. Okay? Um, but then the article went on. It says, although one goal of the process was uh, healing... Uh, so flogged soldiers could get back to work quickly, it, it also is likely that the agony of the salt treatment also served as a further deterrent to disobedience. <laughs> so the conclusion of the article is this. Salt purifies the wounds as well as the behavior. And I thought about that. I thought, that should be us. That should be us. Living a purified life is a choice that we make. It's a choice. It doesn't happen by accident. Letter C. So, salt uh, preserves, it purifies, and then number three, satisfies. Satisfies. Job chapter 6, verse 6. Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? I, I, I was amazed that that verse was even in the Bible. I'm just saying, okay? But many people cannot eat without a salt shaker in one hand. Have you ever seen somebody do that? You know, they whatever. I don't care whatever. It comes out, man. You know, put it, I mean, they just load it up. <laughs> yeah, Bob's one of them. <clears throat> now, what cracks me up is when people do that at a fast food restaurant. <laughs> I mean, there's already enough sodium in that to to kill a horse. But anyway, but God's people should be pleasing to be around, I think is the picture here. We should be pleasing. We should not be vinegar. We should be salt. How we talk to others can be an encouragement or a great discouragement. We must pick our words wisely. God God reminded me just the other day how important our words are. Unfortunately, it was not my words being used in a good way. Not that I was cussing or anything, but he just reminded me, hey, you need to be careful what you say. I 
Our words should be pleasing, not harsh. One of my favorite verses in Scripture, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. And, and, I, and I, I love this verse because it, it, it is a constant reminder to me. I, I, I love the word fitly. We need to be careful what we say. We need to choose our words. Because a word fitly spoken can make all the difference in the world. What is the understood principle here? A word that's not fitly chosen can do a lot of damage. Have you ever heard the idiotic statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That, that's about the stupidest thing because there's nobody in this room who's not been hurt by words. And there's nobody in this room who has not hurt someone by words. Words can do a lot of damage. And we need to be very, very careful how we use them. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 23. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? As I was thinking about this, I thought about Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler, one of the things about Adolf Hitler is he, is he was a master of being able to use his words. And he was able to take an entire nation down a very dark, dark road. Millions upon millions upon millions of people were influenced by his words. But on the flip side, his counterpart, Winston Churchill, also used his words to rally a nation who had really no hope, but they fought back. And they were able to sustain because they had a leader who knew how to use his words to motivate people the right way. See, words can be used either way. And we need to be so very careful. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 21 and 24. Uh, it says, uh, the wise in heart shall be <clears throat> called prudent and the sweetness of the lip increaseth learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but the instruction of a fool is folly. The heart of the wise teacheth uh, his mouth um, and addeth learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as honeycombs sweet to the soul and health to the bones. So salt represents the preservation, purity, <clears throat> satisfa satisfying, satisfaction, satisfies. And then the last one, it, it, it motivates. Salt motivates. Have you ever heard the, the phrase, you can... Lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Okay? That is only partially true. Okay? Now, I, I can lead a horse to water, and I, I am not physically capable of making that horse drink. But 
I can give him something that will make him want to drink. Salt. I remember when I when I played sports, uh, cross country or football, whatever it was. Whatever it seemed like, and even when the Boy Scouts, when we would go backpacking, it seemed like all of the leaders I ever had 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 little white pills. What were they? Salt pills. Why? They wanted us to drink. They wanted us to be hydrated. So they give us salt. And you can't make a you can't make a horse drink, but you can give it salt, and it's going to drink after eating salt. So salt motivates. <clears throat> I years ago when uh, uh, our kids were little, we lived in South Carolina. Hunting season basically ran from July. 15th to January 1st and and you, you didn't need tags you know you went down paid 15 bucks for a license and you could hunt the whole time and just kill as many as you could because they grow like rabbits there but um, anyway I, I joined a hunting club one year and we we would put um, and you, it's illegal to to hunt over a salt lick do, do y'all know what a salt lick is okay uh, big big chunks of salt. We'd put them out on the fields <clears throat> to to draw the deer in, but you 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 weren't allowed to shoot a deer at the salt lick because that's kind of cheating, okay? Um, but but we we strategically placed these salt licks on the property, but we knew <clears throat> we would put the salt lick over here and the water source is over here. So what that what's the deer going to do? <laughs> He's going to look gonna lick the salt and he's gonna go get something to drink so where where would you put your tree stand <laughs> between the two okay so anyway uh it was a big game and and we had fun doing it and i never killed anything but it was it was fun um but my point is this <clears throat> salt motivates and we should be motivating people to the Lord Jesus Christ. When people see our lives, there should be something about you. And we talked about it with Moses and with, with uh, 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 what was it, John and Peter, I think it was. <clears throat> when you spend time with the Lord, there should be a difference. And it should motivate people to want what you have. People should be attracted, not pushed away to the cross. John chapter 14, verses 13 to 14, Jesus answered and said unto her, uh, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give uh, him shall never thirst. But <clears throat> the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. First John chapter 4 and verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are are we in this world. First John chapter 2 verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called 
because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. One of the things, and I, I should have I should have included this verse, and it, but it just popped into my head, so I, I I don't know where the reference is, but Paul said, "Hey, follow me, as I follow Christ." See, salt motivates. It preserves, it purifies, it satisfies, and it should motivate. And if we are going to be salt in this world, that those characteristics need to be part of our lives. And I personally believe it all goes back to the Beatitudes. If we will live the Beatitudes, then we will be salt in this world. Next week, we'll look at light. Salt and light. Another, the other metaphor that he uses here is light. So be thinking about that as we, as we uh, prepare for next week. So let's pray ask God to bless. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, thank you for the things that you teach us in Scripture. It is, it is always amazing to me how you can take such a simple thing as salt and convict my heart the way you do. And Lord, I do ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would help us to draw close to you. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.